Hey everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So uh, this week we are going into a few different things actually. I have uh, Rudy, and now I'm probably going to say the name wrong because double checking earlier, I think I've been pronouncing your last name slightly wrong for a while. So it's Caceres, not Caceres, isn't it? So um, it's just because you have it written out on your on your Twitch. So I'm joined by Rudy Caceres, um, who has done so many different things in terms of uh, mental health um, as an advocate, watering advocate, public speaker, um, and has been involved with so many different things. Uh, mental Health America, um, National um, American Suicidology. I've probably got that completely wrong, but so many different things like that, um, as well as fighting uh, his own issues in mental health. So we're going to be going around the houses a little bit, but also also um, basically Rudy's story and coming from that as well. So um, Rudy, how are you doing? I'm doing swimmingly well. I'm glad to be on the show finally. I actually, <laughs> I, I don't give many interviews anymore. This is only the second one I've done in oh. the past year. I used to like do them all the time and then I started doing my own interview shows. And so like, I just, like, I, I forget what it's like to be on the other end. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's good to have you on. It's, it is quite funny because obviously you have your own podcast and I have my podcast um, and we've now been on each other's podcasts and we both have a background in public speaking. I used to teach public speaking in the UK, had against public narrative um, in endorsement, things like that. So it's quite amusing that we have that, that similarity um, with it. So it's quite good to, kind of go on to each other's podcast as well because I think it gives um it gives you a more rounded idea of how to speak at certain times and when to shut up although I have not quite learned that I do try my best when I go on other people's podcasts but it is it is something that's um good to learn sometimes because I don't think you quite know it when you're the quote unquote host because it, it's difficult to know when to speak or or how to speak if you know in your own head what you want on the subject and it's hard to then potentially push someone in a certain way. So um, it, it's funny because like when I'm when I'm hosting, I want the guests to keep on talking because then that like it makes it easier for me because I don't have to like, like keep coming up with different questions and like stuff like to break the silence and stuff. So but oh, yeah. um, it's 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 definitely it's definitely fun being on on both sides. And um, it's just makes you a better conversationer, I guess. <laughs> Yes, I, I would hope so. I mean, yeah, I, I do tend to, to to want the same myself when I can, but I do have um, an innate uh, tendency to not shut the fuck up. So um, I try and mark it down as much as I can, but there we go. So um, obviously it was, was it six years ago now when you were first um, kind of properly diagnosed um, with a mental health issue, or was it previous to that that you had diagnoses or was it the first one that you had? Was it 2015 when it was um, bipolar disorder you were diagnosed? Yes. Um, so I, I mean, I, I've dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life. I had a rough childhood um, and like had to deal with bullying as a kid. And so uh, I, I had a breakdown when I was in the army and I, in 2009 when I was like 21 and then had and with, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more yeah. but that's a little preview um <laughs> and I, at the time I had a diagnosis of schizophrenia um, but then that was later changed to bipolar when I had a, a manic episode um yeah. in 2014 when I was 26 um and then that's pretty much been my diagnosis since then and I have fully embraced it 
gone with it and made it a part of my whole being. Yeah, I was going to say, um, are you kind of, I suppose happy isn't the right word for it, but I know, especially bipolar seems to be very specifically one that talk about um, the mix between manic episodes uh, and otherwise as really being part of an identity that they couldn't necessarily live without. I know um, Stephen Fry did a documentary several years ago now um, and talked to various um, celebrities, uh, including the person's name has gone out of my head now, but the person that played Princess Leia in Star Wars and various others. Carrie Fisher, that's the one, um, and various other people and talked about the fact that if you had a button that could take all this away tomorrow and make you normal, yeah um uh, you know make you neurotypical and and kind of fit in more or whatever like that and not have the episodes in whatever way they've come would you take it and when he did this documentary he he said even when he was talking to others that of everybody which was now well over 100 people he'd spoken to with the condition only one person had ever said they would press that button um do you feel that it's one of those one of those um things that although it is hellish you know I I know um, obviously you were have been forcefully hospitalized as well and various other things that when it when it's hellish and other people kind of want to take away something from you because you're you you aren't you sort of thing Um, but it does come with what some people see as an upside in terms of creativity sometimes and things like that so do you find that that's something that you would avoid as well you wouldn't press the button or would you as someone who's always thinking about um, the grass being greener on the other side, like I, I've pretty much have accepted that I would never want to change anything about being bipolar or not being bipolar or being cured or whatever. It is what it is. And it can suck at times. It can be very devastating and it can ruin relationships, but I have the power to make the best of it. And that's what I've done over the past, geez, six, seven years. And so I, I like, I like to say that like, I'm not defined by it, but I'm not ashamed of it. I don't run away from it. It's part of me, but it's not all of me. And so I, 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 it's weird to say that I I like being bipolar. I'm proud of being bipolar. I just say I'm bipolar. It's part of me. And that's just the way it is. But it's like, I I've, I've given up on trying to like, imagine like what my life would be like, if it would be better or not, it would be different, but who's to say, I, I can't like wave a magic wand. So it's like, especially when you're, when you're having your darkest days and you're suffering, you would want to think that if you weren't bipolar, you'd be doing this, you'd be doing that. But who's to say most likely I'd probably be squandering somehow in some other situation. So I just accept what has been dealt to me and try to make the best of it, which includes doing public speaking, doing podcasts, doing live streaming, and who knows like what I'd be doing besides that. I, I, I like to say that uh, the work that I'm doing right now is very meaningful. And if I had like no diagnosis at all or no adversities, then what would I be doing with my life? Mm. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, that's that's certainly the point that I think a lot of them have made is like, it's almost not necessarily pushed people to do something um, specific with their life, but it's it's not been 
as hindrous as I think a lot of people think about it. Because uh, when we use any tag along with mental health, um, you always get people that go, well, let's let's try and cure it. Or I, I constantly have in my um, Twitch streams of people going, but why don't some people want to be cured? Or why don't you want to cure? And I'm like, because you're completely negating someone's identity there. And then you have other people suddenly having to go because that is someone's identity. And you kind of go, it's incredibly difficult to get across to someone who doesn't have whatever it is you know I don't have um, BPT I could never understand um, what you go through in any way I really hate um, for anyone out there has probably heard me say this before I really hate the idea of um, empathy and understanding because I don't think they're possible um, I think there's experience plus for me grumpiness but it, it's very difficult um, to try and put it across to someone of what you're going through. And I think a lot of people do have to fight back a lot for that. Have you found that you are fighting against it? Because obviously you've done a lot. You've done the public speaking. You know, like I said earlier, you've worked with the, is it the American Association for Suicidology. I think that's the name. Um, and a few other different things of mental health. And you've worked with them. Have you, did you find at all that they were trying to push back? Because I know... For instance, when it comes to behavior, uh, uh, behavioral ideas and psychology, they're very much the kind of, you know, well, let's traumatize you and trying to cure you. So, you know, how, how have you found it with that? Uh, definitely when I was working with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, which is called NAMI. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think they have that in the UK, but it's all over. It's a grassroots organization all over the United States. And okay. they're, they're very much a proponent of you are ill, you need to be uh, taken care of, um, you need to be on your medication. If you get out of line, then you need to be hospitalized, even against your will. They're very, they very much take the sides of the family. And so a lot of these, these meetings that they have, it's just full of parents just wanting to know how to section their son or daughter. And I was part of that for so long, because I was like, the first community that I knew, like, that was like my first time really interacting with other people with uh, diagnoses outside of the psych ward, mm -hmm. but it became very clear um, soon enough that like we were just the tokens and just there to like uh, put on a show and get our, our heads patted um, for doing a good job for sharing our stories and what not really being able to, to ascend. Like there's, there's like there's not a lot of leadership within organizations like that of people with lived experience. It's mostly parents and doctors and people like me aren't taken as seriously and not paid as much or paid at all. So I, when I got involved with the American Association of Suicidology, there was a lot more people with lived experience. That organization still has its problems to this day. Mm -hmm. um, but like it was, it was like a revelation to me at the time. It's like, here are the people who are, sharing her stories of like, not even, not just like with bipolar and depression, but like surviving suicide and being very open about it, but also not like being um, held back by doctors and parents and just saying, fuck you to all of that. And just like, we're going to like make this our organization and like, we're going to make sure our voices are heard just as much or even louder as all the other interests. So, um, and that uh, helped me to form the community that like I was able to get involved with SPSM chat, the show I host now. Mm. Um, I, that was actually a show that was um, founded by um, someone from the American Association of Suicidology, Dr. April Foreman. 
And I met her at a conference and she was telling me about like all these things going on in the community. And I was like, I, I can't be a part of that because I'm not a doctor. I don't have letters at the end of my name. And then she, she was like, no, like there's like all kinds of different people. Like don't, don't be like dissuaded by that. And so I got involved and I started watching SPSM chat every Sunday. And like, I, at, even at the time though, I was like, I, I can contribute, but like, I, I still feel very timid. I don't know very much. And so it's so weird. Like now that like I host the thing, like I run the thing. And like, I still feel, and I know you feel like that at times too. It's like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like half the time, like half the time, I feel like I have to hide behind other people that know more than me. Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, it's certainly right. I do feel like that sometimes. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, when I, when I do talk on these things a lot, I, I call myself the educated idiot. That's how I tend to, because I think there's a tendency, especially from Americans. I think it just it's just there to believe what a what a British person with my accent says. There is I just have that kind of received pronunciation, and so people just kind of go, "Oh well, oh, he sounds eloquent. We'll listen to him." And it's just like, please don't <laughs> like listen to my rants. And you know, I'm I'm going to swear, but suddenly I, I literally have had people go, "Oh, but we could just listen to you." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I, that's not the point." Um, and as you say, a lot of it does have to come from um, from your own experience. And much as you know, it's difficult when um, those of us that have that lived experience have to um, talk about this. I think sometimes because, as you say, we're not doctors. We're not you know we're not psychiatrists and things like that but we don't necessarily take away from those people because there is a reason that they're doing that um what i think the issue becomes is when they make assumptive comments without knowing anything you'll, you'll have someone who has just trained as a, as a counselor as a psychiatrist or whatever is completely neurotypical never really had any um, suggestion of anything outside of the classroom and suddenly they're telling you exactly how it should be done you have parents that go oh like mark rober you know mark rober who comes out and goes well this is the case for my autistic son and so that's great but your autistic son can't entirely comprehend because of their age not because of their autism because of their age they can't right now tell you to fuck off which is probably what he will do when he's older um and that's the problem that we then have to fight back against that but at the same time go look you should talk to these people they're still important but you need to listen to us too we have a voice and i think it's it's great that you got got involved with it and like you say i mean i've um, appeared so um guys the the link will be below to spsm chat and do go and check it out i've been on there twice um where i do my general ranting um but uh, i think it is great that it is is hosted by someone who isn't a quote-unquote professional um in, in terms of psychiatry um purely because of the fact that it means you listen because i think a lot of big issue happens when doctors just could go mm-hmm mm-hmm anyway and you're kind of going oh for fuck's sake no just just listen to what i just said you know i mean especially this week um i don't know if it's worldwide but at least here is mental health awareness week and it is it's, it's i i, I want to just smack my head against the wall whenever i hear those words put together um because they're meaningless most of the time they're just nice posters um but so obviously you didn't feel that um you could really interact you were saying you didn't think you could really do it you were too timid um what changed what what was it that made you think you know what actually i need to take this over um, i know obviously with spsm you 
did take a, a back seat um, a few months ago, um, but then you've you've come back to it as well. So what what kind of changed for you? What made you think actually no? Listen to me. Well, I I never intended to like get involved with live streaming. Like I like I like I originally like I wanted to be a public speaker. Well, I mean originally before that I wanted to be an actor, but then I got involved with public speaking, mm. and. But like I, I wasn't getting like consistent work, so like I wanted to put myself out there, and um, someone had reached out to me and said, like, "Hey, we should collaborate. We should do some kind of live stream together." And like at the time, like I didn't know anything. I just happened to stumble upon some program that allowed it to do like kind of like what we're doing, but stream it on Facebook. And so I just did it as kind of just like a one-off thing, just to collaborate with this person. And people were into it. People actually commented and liked and stuff. It was still like the early days of Facebook Live. So people like it was still it was still a very novel thing. And I just started doing it every week. And like I really feel as if if I had like intended to do it, like make this this whole thing, like brand it and all that stuff, logos, mm. like I would never have done it or I would have given up after a few weeks. But the fact that like, I just kind of stumbled into it and just like, hey, let's just try this. Oh, well, this week, let's try it again next week. And then the week after that, and it's like, hey, it's kind of catching on. So let's put a name on it. And so I'm doing my thing while SPSM chat is doing their thing with their team. Mm -hmm. But then they took a break, like their, their original team, like went their separate ways and got busy with work and family and all that stuff. And then they took a break. And I thought like, oh, well, I guess that's the end of that. And then I saw someone new on, <laughs> on, on the SPSM chat account, like taking over as host. And she was awful. Like she just had like <laughs> no personality. She like, just like the most dry person who like thought she was funny thought she was like, had smart things to say. And my, my wife and I would just hate watch it every week. And I was like, Oh God, like, I wish I could like take this over because like, I, I can do so many cool things with it. Mm -hmm. And eventually that person stepped down and I reached out to the, um, the founder and she was like, sure. Okay. Like, um, and at the time I was like thinking like, Oh, this might just be like a few months and it ended up being like a year long thing. Like mm -hmm. we had a, we had a main crew of like five of us and we would like, like combine in different, <laughs> in like in different groups and have guests on every single week. And that was, that was a lot, like, especially now, like after taking the break, it was like the fact that like, I never missed a week, even when like, I would have to do like speaking things, like I would have a co-host take over. We just kept going on and on and on, except for like Christmas Sunday and like New Year's Sunday. And then it just kept going. And like, eventually, like we're in last August of 2020. Um, like even after moving to Colorado from Los Angeles and the pandemic and everything and having to uh, replace two co-hosts, like still going, 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 going. And like, I fell out of love with it. Like I, it was just like, the love wasn't there. It was just taking a toll on my mental health. And like, I didn't feel like I was, I, I felt like I was like a, like a slave to it almost. Like I had to keep doing it. And so I took the break, I, I, I passed on the reins to someone else, and then they weren't able to do it anymore. Um, like last um, March, they stepped down and I, I took over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's been, it's been quite the, quite the journey, just um, finding ways to talk about suicide. Um, 
I don't think I've mentioned this, but SPSM chat stands for suicide prevention, social media, which is actually a take on a, uh, a Twitter chat that's uh, now defunct called healthcare social media, which was run by a bunch of doctors from, I think, um, John Hopkins University. And so it, it was just meant to just be like, just like this very like small, intimate, like Twitter chat with like professionals. And then they added the live streaming format to it and then it blew up. And then like a bunch of lived experience people got involved with it. And, and now it's just like, it's like, it's like a talk show now. It's just like, it got like <laughs> all kinds of different like things going on, like multi-streaming and on-screen graphics and like, like multiple guests and panels and layouts and stuff. It's a lot of work. It really is. But I, I love live streaming. Like, I, I feel like I'm addicted to it almost. I don't know if you feel that way. Um, I mean, I, I, for me, certainly, I've, I've got a bit more. I, I didn't expect, I, I mean, I fell into streaming the same way, um, weirdly enough, because streamers effectively saved my life. And it was, it was actually a result of that as to how I ended up. Um, I say when they saved my life, it was, there was a load of things going on. Um, and if one thing had been missing, I probably would be too and streamer and there were five streaming channels that were part of that so um and then the, a couple of the channels just said well why don't you turn the camera on um, and that's why in the early days when people used to be like oh you can do this i'd be like i'm just a guy with a camera and that's literally because of the way they'd put it to me was just turn your camera on um so yeah i i've i've turned i mean i'm streaming every single day this month in aid of um the charity remember my wife so i i i <laughs> definitely some kind of addiction happening there um certainly but it's uh streaming is, is a weird one it is a weird one to to interact with um do you find then uh, you were saying that um oh for anybody that's wondering by the way john hopkins university the equivalent in the uk if you're watching would be something like kings um kings would be the the british equivalent if anyone's wondering kind of how that works in, ter in terms of the level of of um medical staff um do you find then that there's do you envisage a time when you're going to have to say um i need a break again not not i mean at some point in the future it's going to happen anyway because of time um but is that like is that in your head of like well i've had to take a back seat before and it got too much and it was affecting my mental health as you say you know you and that's not something we we ever want to repeat is bad mental health in in general if we can avoid it um you can't guys by the way it's at some point it's going to fucking hit you it's just if you've managed to set up something to take a bit of the blow. Um, um, <laughs> but do you envisage that happening again? God, I was thinking about that, like, right before we started. Oh. <laughs> right, okay. Like, it's, yeah, because it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's, it's a very um, difficult thing, because, like, especially when we're working with guests, like, I, I can't do SPSM chat by myself. Like, I, like, I, I've tried streaming by myself, like kind of like doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I just feel like something's missing and like, I, I just give up on like, I, I've given up on so many things and like, I, I hate doing that. And so like, I, 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 I want to, <laughs> I would love to do more stuff where it's just me and I don't have to rely on like booking guests every single week of the month, every year. And it's, but I'm also like afraid of like not having that to depend on. Like, but I also feel like I, I need to recognize that I function best when I'm collaborating with others, when I can bounce back off each other, bounce back off someone else. And it's just been hard trying to find that balance because I know 
that I can't just keep going like this every single week of just always like looking for the next guest, the next topic. Um, it's just going to, it's just like, I'm just going to get burned out again. Like, and it's going to happen like faster and faster each time. So I need to, I guess, I, I guess I need to build in breaks yeah. and assure myself that if I don't do a show in a week, um, every single week that it's, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean like I'm a failure or like no one's going to come back the week after, but, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's so weird because like, I, I feel like doing a show every single week is so hard. And yet like you're doing a show every single day. Yeah. But like, and you'll, and you'll do like, um, like two hour plus streams, like other streamers, they'll do like four or five hour streams, 12 hour streams, 24 hour yeah. streams. Like I have no idea how they're able to manage that here. I am bitching about doing one hour a week, one hour a week. And like, so I, I don't know. And I, I think it just happens to, it's more of the pressure of like having to find guests and a topic Whereas like what a lot of Twitch streamers, which is a world that like, I kind of, I didn't even really know about until like I, um, one of our, our past co-hosts anxiety, like, um, I happened to be uh, introduced to her through another person that was involved with SPSM. And I ended, um, I went on her stream and I checked it out and it's like, oh my God, there's like this whole other world going on. And like, it's, it's weird because like, I, I've like technically been a streamer for like a couple of years at that point, but never yeah. felt like it. Like I didn't have like all the alerts and doodads going on the screen and all that stuff. And so it just felt <laughs> like really weird. Like what I, I, I feel like, like if I was just doing it by myself, that like, it wouldn't be as stressful, but like you also have to build that community from the ground up. And that's the hard part. Cause that's where like, at least for me that if we do like two, three, four streams and like, maybe it's like your friends will show up for the first or second one. Then after that, you're on your own. Um, that can be very disheartening. And that's something that I need to deal with though, because I can't keep letting that like keep me from like pursuing things that I want to do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> anxiety by the way i will get her on this show she's always busy but i will m if you're you're not gonna be watching this but if you are um so, so obviously i've had interactions with anxiety as well um and it's always she's getting better funny. at saying no so you better oh, better she, hurry up i i mean she i've already sent her a message a while ago and she did respond to it so i'm i'm at least i'm somewhere in the diary there um but no it is quite it is it is very interesting actually that the world of of, of streaming and mental health streaming because um, and, I, and this really confuses people is that um, now right now I might look and sound a little bit like um, me and M are from a similar kind of way of dealing with mental health. If anyone ever goes to my stream and goes to M Street, we are completely different. But we do and we do disagree on certain things. However, we do agree on a lot of things. And I, I think the, the point um, of streaming is, is quite interesting, is that there's a place for everyone. Um, and you found you found a, a place through doing it like this. Um, there are a lot of bullshitters out there. There are a lot of um, positivity streamers who I fucking hate. Um, if ever, if anyone's answer to a question in stream is just a, a Dumbledore quote and then they move on to something else, just leave the fucking stream. Um, but obviously, I, I think you are being very hard on yourself. I mean, you you were being hard on yourself there um, in comparing yourself to me um, for for streaming every day, which. 
I mean, firstly, fuck that. I mean, I, I'm just, I just never shut up. As anybody listening to this right now can attest to, um, the 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 difference there is that one, I I kind of cheated this month, especially with I, I have my schedule, which is only only actually three days, and um, that's the normal schedule. But for this month, because it's for charity, I just do a stream that's called Chat and Chill, and I have exactly the same issue as you do, except I have the chat. As in, if the chat don't talk to me, I'm screwed. If I if I was there and no one was talking to me, I would be stuck. I would be in the same issue as you in uh, when you were saying like you you find it easier to work off of other people. I'm the same. It's just that those other people are in the chat rather than on a microphone with me. And I would have I would be absolutely screwed. I you can always tell if I've had a bad stream because it's the one of the shorter ones. So I've done ones before when I've just gone. It's been half an hour. Because and you can you can hear if anybody ever goes back on them, you can hear me just going, okay, fine. Well, we're gonna and it'll be the ones I don't like raid out of. It'll be the ones where I'm just gonna I've given up. Um, and I think because this month people know it's for charity and it's for my late wife, that that's different. And so it G's me up and it, it G's them up and it, and it continues. But that's the only reason. I think for, for yourself, it's it sounds very much kind of um confidence rather than ability. I mean, I've been in your stream when you streamed. I remember you, you went onto the um, the YouTube channel for that person talking about, I think it was BPD. It was talking about something anyway. Um, but I, I mean, I was in there. And actually from the people that were in your chat, you had at least three other mental health streamers in your chat, which I think says a lot. It doesn't matter about anybody else that's in there, but you know, people who literally do this, myself, Wabba Streams, anxiety, people like that, who literally, we, I mean, me and anxiety of that list, especially, we rely basically on mental health and we don't game although anxiety occasionally games, I don't at all. We were coming into your chat to talk. So I think that says, says a lot, but it's, it is difficult when you have, you have those kind of that little voice in your head. And it's very hard to ignore sometimes. Um, and I, th I mean, I think personally you do, you do a great job of the, the way you present it. I think you did a great job on your stream, but it's very hard. I, I also realized just how easy it is for someone else to tell you that. And then if you try and tell yourself that, you then have another voice of the demon in your head saying, shut the fuck up, you're an idiot. I'm well aware of that because I do it to myself. <laughs> so, um, but it, it is good that I think you you had that going forward. So do you, are you looking at the idea of, I mean, I think potentially maybe the idea of um, SPSM being something like a, um, a season, you know, you have it as seasons. So you can then have like a, a four week break where it's just like, oh, well, it's the end of season one of this year and now we have these you know i mean i've i've started doing that for for the podcast i i'll take a week off or two weeks off and then i just come back and when it's on spotify not on youtube when it's on spotify amazon music it comes up as season two episode whatever or season three and you can always see there's a couple of weeks so i mean i'd, I'd love it to, to continue obviously i like being on it because i mean i get to rant to a wider audience um so it's it is it is very good i mean obviously there is definitely a place for that um, for yourself and that whole thing because of the fact, for instance, when we talked about um, trigger warnings and the way that they in, in, interact, you had two people from the UK who came on at like two o'clock in the morning to be on that chat, myself and um, Mindset by Dave. So if we didn't think that, you know, both of us mental health streamers and we, we made sure that we were on there. So that, that should show you just how much, it is valued that 
you know, there, there are people that want to do that. But um, obviously you've had a rough ride with mental health. And as we can kind of get from things there, it still plays on your mind. Of course it's going to anyway, because BPD isn't something that just magically goes, oh, you're fine now. But in mental health in general, you, you've had a kind of a, a rough ride. Um, did you want to talk about how um, the hospitalizations came across? Because obviously you talked about when you first came in across SPSM and these other organizations, that they were the people that were kind of going, okay, let's just medicate you. And then if you're not taking medication, you go to hospital. And, you know, you still had that in the early days of maybe SPSM with some of the doctors. So how did the hospitalizations come around for you? Um, well, first off, I want to correct you that um, you say BPD, that's a borderline personality disorder. Sorry, I, I misspoke. Sorry. <laughs> yes, of course. Sorry. <laughs> but but we don't edit on this podcast. So we're just Oh no, no, no. You show but please do in fact that's a good thing to show that um I get I get this shit wrong, guys. So please, you know, know that. Um um bipolar disorder. Sorry, not bipolar personality. I it's because the I think the acronym the um the abbreviations are so similar, I do I interchange them occasionally, but yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Regarding hospitalizations, I was first hospitalized when I was in the army in 2009, and I I joined the army because I had like no like nothing going for me at the time. Like I was going to community college and I was uh, taking theater classes. I wanted to be an actor, and like I, I that wasn't really going anywhere. And like all my financial aid like ran out, and so like I was just stuck at home and decided like I need to do something drastic because I've always wanted to do great things with my life I never just wanted to have like a nine to five job and so I decided like well if no one will hire me because like I I'm like 20 at that point with no job experience I'm just going to like do one of like the few jobs that like will take anyone and it was it was the army um because we, we were still like at war and like they were giving bonuses and so I go to the recruiter office, sign up. And about six months later, I'm being shipped out to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for basic combat training. And it was horrible from the get go. Like I, I knew it'd be hard because I've never been like, like the military type. I've never been like a tough guy. And I was like, like, I, like I've said before, like I was bullied as a kid. Um, and just like, never like been like someone who was strong and like got into fights or like shooting the first time I ever shot a gun. Um, I went to a gun range like a few weeks before shipping out just to like, see how it was. And like, I'm a left, I'm a left-hander. So the, uh, the brass flew at my face and I thought I had shot my face somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, that actually ended up being like the easiest thing. <laughs> like when I was at the army, uh, like everything else was horrible, including just being around like the same people, all the time sleeping with them going like doing everything together and like i i even had like a cool drill sergeant too it was just like the other privates i guess <laughs> other, other soldiers that i had to like um that were in my squad and like they they were just very hard on me because like i would always screw up with different exercises and different assignments and just always the butt of the jokes mm. and i just barely made it through basic training. I remember my drill sergeant calling me into his office one day saying like, yeah, I know it's hard right now, but this isn't the real army. And like, once you get onto your, your job, military intelligence, it'll be easier, like military intelligence. It's, it's, it's easy peasy. Like, it's just, let's, it's, um, 
it's like it's like the Harvard of like uh, mil of if <laughs> of like um of military training, military intelligence training, mm -hmm. and so I made it through. I didn't have anyone visit me um, come to my graduation because I didn't think that I would graduate. So I didn't even bother. And plus, like I lived in LA and like it was like a three and a half hour flight to Missouri anyway. So mm. and so I go on to my next unit, go on a 24 hour bus ride to um, Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And it was still awful because it was and it wasn't it was it wasn't, it wasn't really the physical stuff like that stuff was hard, but like I got through with it. Mm. Um, it was the mental. It was just constantly like dealing either with. Um, issues with people in my platoon or instructors uh, commanders like just the onslaught of assignments it's just like okay look you learned everything in this section but now you got to learn everything in this section and two other sections they're going to test you on that and if you don't pass the test then you're going to have one more chance to take it but we're going to take away your privileges where you can't go out at night you can't do anything on the weekends you have to study and like you have to do like um night school and stuff like that and if you don't pass that they have something what i i felt like at the time was like the most dreadful terrifying term that i've ever heard of in my life i don't know if they have an equivalent like this in the british military but they call it t-space and Basically, it means that if you signed up for military intelligence, because you're a smart guy, and you tested very highly, and you can go on to basically pick any job you want. Um, and military intelligence is like one of the hardest ones to get into. Mm. Um, if you fail the second time when taking a test, um, you get recycled to another company. Um, that's like, you basically go back like six weeks or so. But then if you fail that, you get T-spaced. And that basically means that if you, doesn't matter what you signed up for, you now are at the behest of the army. So if they need more people to do laundry, then that's your job. You're the laundry man. Or if they're, if they're at a shortage of mortar men, congratulations, you're now a mortar man. You're now infantry man. You're now whatever. And I've seen people like that. I've seen people who were doing like like signal intelligence, image intelligence, very difficult work, but they failed it. And like they weren't like 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 bad people. It's just like it's just very hard work. And they ended up like in in mortar, like and like which is like just like as far away as you can get from military intelligence. Mm. And so I didn't want that to happen to me. So like I was just trying my best to just make it through, just barely scraping through. But I knew I couldn't make it to the end. I knew like something had to give. Every single day was a battle, and it shouldn't be. Like this is just like it's 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 basically like going to college. And I know college is hard, and a lot of people don't make it to the end of that. But for me, like I had no other choice. Hmm. If I failed this, um, like I couldn't go back home. I couldn't face my family. I like I knew if I ended up in like any other position that like involved like combat that I was just going to, I was dead on arrival basically. And mm -hmm. so one day, like I just um, couldn't take it anymore. And like, I tried reaching out to support, but I wasn't able to get an appointment. Like I, I it, it's weird. Cause in the army that like um, you don't want to necessarily see the, the on post psychiatrist or psychologist, because if you say the wrong things, like if you're suicidal or you're very depressed, they can take you out of your unit and hospitalize you or like do all kinds of horrible things. So oftentimes people will go see the chaplain 
even if they're not religious. And that's what I would do. I would go see the chaplain when I was having a hard time because like there was like nothing, like if I say that I'm, I'm depressed and stuff like that, they're not going to um, report me unless like I'm actively suicidal. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I tried to do. And I couldn't get an appointment in time. And so like I, one day after a hard day, I walked into a dining facility and sat down next to someone that I knew and told them that I wanted to kill myself and that I was probably going to do it that night. And I froze up in the midst of that conversation, just completely like frozen, like where like the saliva was coming out of my mouth and like, like I, my mouth was agape. I had a catatonic episode. Um, you know, they talk about the fight or flight response. Um, I froze. Mm. I couldn't go on anymore. Cause like I was tired of fighting, but like, I couldn't flee the army. That's like still considered like, 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 um, a punishable by death, um, offense, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and so they carted me off to the emergency room. They had to pick me up because I was still frozen. And eventually I came to and I saw the psychiatrist the following day. They thought I was faking it, but still sent me to the psych ward anyway, where I was for um, about six days, which was a very different experience from being in the army. Mm. Um, but I made it through. Like eventually I realized that like I couldn't just not like because like the first day I was there, the first full day, I didn't talk. I didn't go to any of the group meetings. And I realized that I had to play the game. I had to go to the group meetings. I had to share my feelings. I had to take my meds um, to get out of there. And I did. Um, and then I went back to the psychiatrist where they decided that um, it wasn't best for me to continue in the army and to, to begin the process of discharging me, which took 10 weeks the day that I left the army was the day that I would have left if I would have graduated from military intelligence training. It's, it's, it, it, the way that you, you described it then does sound very kind of, um, they expect you to be a good boy to, to kind of deal with things. It's like, just, you just say the right things, take your meds and, you know, just, and it's the fact that that's part of it as well is, is very, it's, worrying isn't even the word it's just it's 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 so um pervasive in people's attitude a lot of people's attitude that you know if you just oh you, you don't quite fit and therefore um we want you to just sit there just we'll, we'll deal with you you know it might take a while but we'll, we'll deal with you just 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 behave there's a good boy and it's it's so it's so incessant from the rest of society when they do things like that um so it's funny because i never had a problem with that in the army like right. i i was a good little soldier like there were people <laughs> in the army that would just like break the rules all the time just because they could just right. completely shamming like left and right and like i was just like straight and narrow like i just want to get through this and like like not like not make a scene not get in trouble and like but in and it's so weird that like when i because I made the choice to go into the army, but like, I didn't make the choice to go into the psych ward. And so there was a, it was a, it was a different experience. And like, I just like, just felt very, very disgusting in there. And like, I, and that wasn't the last time, which I'm sure we'll get into soon enough. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've been, I don't know if lucky is the word I, I only got, I had such a weird experience in terms of hospitalization. So I've, I've, I've never done military or anything like that. So it's a very different experience, but um, I, I got, 
I got picked up by the police in terms of my mental health once. Um, I escaped hospital. So I, I was held by, um, by the hospital um, when I was suicidal. Um, and they took my knife, which I had on me. Um, it was actually just a, it was actually, it was this knife. Why is that just randomly on my desk? It's, it was a, you know, it's a, it was a present um, for being an usher at someone's wedding. It was just, it's just a, a pocket knife. It was nothing, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have it because of any reason, but they took that off me. They took my meds that I was on at the time, uh, my depression meds, basically. So I didn't in, in, induce serotonin syndrome, anything like that. Um, they took all them. And at the time, um, my ex-girlfriend um, or my ex-fiance at the time had worked in the hospital. So I knew the hospital inside out. And so I just avoided everyone and found my own way out and just disappeared. Um, the police got sent after me, came and got me. Um, and then I had possibly the stupidest conversation with a police officer ever. Um, because they basically said, um, oh, we've had a lot of people getting um, uh, put forward with, with issues, um, but we're oversubscribed. Uh, if it weren't for the fact um, that were oversubscribed, we would have probably sectioned you. They literally said that to me in there in the squad car, taking me back to hospital. They were like, "Oh yeah, well we're just oversubscribed. Otherwise, we'd have probably sectioned you." And then they held me in hospital um, overnight under the Mental Health Act, um, British Mental Health Act. Hel only held me for one night, but I have um, obsessive compulsive disorder, actual obsessive compulsive disorder. For anyone out there that just thinks turning the light on and off fuck right off look it up um and so with that a slight germophobia and they made me stay in hospital which in itself was hellish um and then they held me under the act until they could get somebody out to then just tell me that apparently envisaging suicides and being and getting into fights and and like a video game in my head was apparently normal behavior and let me out the next day so it's even even that like i say lucky but you know, I, I was brought in by police into hospital um, for it. And I mean, that was a, was a, enough for me. So the idea of it being a completely life changing for you, because I mean, as you say, you couldn't in your mind, you couldn't go home. You couldn't do this because it, it, it suggests something or it's or it's, you know, and, and obviously you went into a catatonic state. So is that the only time that you've had that kind of um, catatonic state? Uh, just because it was just it was so overwhelming or is that something that's come uh, along the road with you as well no it's it's happened a handful of times um actually wasn't the first time that it happened it had okay. actually it happened a few times when i was a kid um and it it, it happened as recently as like last summer okay. and so it's yeah it's 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 definitely like it's 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 hard for me because like i I, I don't want that to happen. Like, I don't want to freeze up. Like I want to talk, like I want to keep moving. I want to find ways to cope with all the emotions and stress and all that stuff. And thankfully I'm in a situation right now um, where I, if I do freeze up, like I, like I know like my wife is not going to call 911 and mm. it's not going to freak out and it's not going to, I'm not, I don't have the risk of going to the psych ward which um, had happened before, um, but like I, I still don't like freezing up, but like it's, it's still a, a big relief that I'm around people where like I'm not worried about that, like ending up in me being in the psych ward because I never ever want to be in the psych ward again.
Yeah, I mean, did you want to talk about that um, a little bit as well about the reasons why specifically? Because I know most people listening to this, most people in general, when they think about it, um, just think, oh, well, you need help. So you should be there. I mean, I have friends who have been, you know, admitted for six months um, at a time because they've had a, a psychotic break or something like that, you know, and they, they've gone fully in and just uh, actually one of them similarly was effectively catatonic almost for the whole six months um and you know i i've i've come across them and, and they've talked about it and i mean i found it hellish for one night being held in a normal hospital under those rules um and I, the problem is i think a lot of the outside world see it as but we're looking after you and i mean could could you kind of just <laughs> give people an idea a little bit of why that's such an issue yeah, it's, it's the lack of agency, it's the coercion, it's feeling like there's no, like there are people who are grateful for their hospitalization, hospitalization experience and feel better afterwards and check themselves in. Um, some I know some people, they check themselves in like, like, like almost on, like by clockwork, like once every few months. And I never want to do that. And so being there, it feels like they're like there's no there's there's no um helpful thing in there at all it's just like just completely um violation of my human rights violation of my dignity and so by the very fact that i don't want to be in there is enough for it's just completely invalidate the whole experience of like or the intention of them wanting to help me i don't want mm -hmm. their help therefore yeah. it's not going to be helpful but what them trying to help yeah it's is that is that agency and I, I i talk a lot to people about the fact that for me almost every mental health issue that people have boils down at the end of the day in some way to control it's the takeaway of control and that seems to be what a lot of it is and once you're then they're taking even more control away from you by going well you've got to be here i'm sorry that's just the case and that's meant to help you um, I mean, it's even, I think, um, in one respect, which is rare, um, it's actually worse in the UK, because you are no longer allowed to check yourself in. That was changed around 15, 20 years ago. So you, if you are sectioned in the UK now, it is only under somebody else's behest. It is never your choice. So there is, whereas in, in America, as you're saying, in, in obviously different for different states, I'm sure there'll be some people that go, OK, I need this. I, I, and, and for them, they're actually they actually are taking agency. You know, they're the ones that are going, OK, this is good for me. And that's good because they have the control over here. There is no such thing. You, you can't do it anymore. You used to be able to do it, but it's actually been taken away. No longer can you be the one that puts yourself forward. It has to be somebody else um, that sectioned you. It has to be outside of your control, which does seem a very worrying way forward well yeah i also don't understand like the thought process of why when you go to get help at the hospital you have to be around people that are also in crisis who are also experiencing extreme states like and not not to be like like sound like i'm being stigmatizing towards those people but like mm. Like I, I don't, if I'm having a hard time, like I don't want to be around other people who are like screaming or going through episodes or mm -hmm. like like threatening to like do uh, violence and stuff like that. Like, like I, I just want to to be able to like to get to a state where I'm no longer like in crisis, no longer want to die or no longer depressed or anything like that. 
And so like, I, I've never understood like why that's part of the process. Like I, I get, that's more of like a funding thing because like it's too expensive for someone to get like their, their own, like, like section of the, of the hospital, I guess, or whatever. But um, yeah, like, like for me, like, I don't like being around people when I'm in a state like that like even loved ones like like unless it's like like someone like my wife or like my closest closest friends like other than that like get away from me and so like i i don't want to be around strangers and like asking me like how i'm doing or like offering me things or giving me advice yeah it's it is weird that the neurotypical world and the world in general seems to be obsessed with the idea that we should have trigger warnings on everything but then when they come to help you they put you somewhere where it is almost definitely going to trigger you you know it's it's i find it strange you know you're going to be around people as you say that are having breakdowns of their own and it's you know when you're on the out the outside world it's the kind of oh well don't don't go in here because you know there's a trigger warning to say that you shouldn't do that um but when you are in definite crisis so before you may not be in any kind of crisis but when you're in definite crisis that's fine we're just going to put you in the same room as somebody else who's has open wounds but or, or has just been you know they, they've just had treatment on it because they've they've cut themselves or anything like that it's like how the fuck does that make sense how does yeah, that, and you got to you got to you got to sleep with them you got to eat with them you got to yeah. go to group therapy with them and hear their war stories i hate group therapy by the way oh well, I, so i'm with you i'm with you i have never <laughs> liked it it's 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 weird because i feel like in some ways like like spsm chat could be group therapy but like those are like my people <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. like like group therapy you don't you don't choose you don't get to design your own group therapy and so nine times out of 10, like I'm surrounded by people like I would never talk about my feelings with. And that's what basically what group therapy is talking about your innermost feelings around people that you normally would never talk about. with, And you yeah. couldn't care less about their war stories, you couldn't care less about their feelings, which sounds very heartless. But let's be honest. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's very strange. People find it really strange, because obviously, I'm doing a diploma in counseling cognitive behavioral therapy right now. Um, but I'm doing it so that I can understand um, or at least understand what other people think they understand rather than anything else. I will never be I will never be doing that as a as a as a profession, no matter how well I pass or anything, because fuck that. Um, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not one for any kind of talking therapy generally anyway. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're quite right. I think people don't quite understand the fact that especially if you're in a suicidal um, time period that you don't care. I've, I've had it before when I was, I was suicidal and um, it got to the point where my, my parents came and found me and my stepfather and everyone just came and found me and my, my arms were just covered in blood. Um, and I was, it's still, I was still suicidal, but I wasn't that, that moment I wasn't actively doing something. Um, and I think it was a, a true shock to my mother because they're from the they're they're from the Second World War. They're both born during the Second World War. Before before we accepted that mental health was a thing, um, and you know I'm the I'm the youngest son. Uh, so it was this idea that they turned up and the words and this is something that's overused so much as well when people say oh but what about everyone else and it was the words of my mum which was um, but don't you care about uh, don't you care about us or what about us or something like that and my response was very simple of what the fuck makes you think I care about you. And I think that's something that people don't really hold on to is that if there was a care of any kind there, you wouldn't be in that position right then. And I think 
to then put you in in the room with everybody else and go oh but now you know now you don't care about yourself you don't care about your own family you don't care about your own friends because that's why you're here but you've now got to care about tim in the corner there because he's got a bad life as well and so i don't what the fuck no i just it's, it's not anything to do with me why would i have that interaction so i'm with you on the, the group therapy it's a fucking weird thing um there's also a weird idea that people have that we're going to be the same in the morning as we are in the evening and that's always an annoying thing for me in terms of I don't, I don't know if this happens so much with you but i'm i'm i am very uneducatedly guessing because of your bp bp not bpd um diagnosis that is this is also a thing for you that you can feel suicidal and be reaching for whatever in the morning but by the evening you could almost be going oh let's go to the let's go to the pub let's go to the bar i, I want to drink I'm, I'm feeling good oh yeah absolutely like i like 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 there are days where like i feel like just like throwing everything away starting over anew like just completely like taking myself off the internet going off the grid and by the end of the day like i'll be playing with my dog and like hanging out with my wife watching tv and then like just things just like <laughs> to move on and so yeah I, I totally can relate to that yeah it is strange i mean when i first got together with my wife it's a lot of things for any of my family or my my in-laws that are watching you won't be but hey and um, when i first got with my um my uh, wife when we first started going um going out um i tried i actively tried to commit suicide um and it was it was the weirdest thing because I mean, I it ended up not working because I was ill because it was pills and I threw them up basically. Not all of them, but enough of them that it, it wasn't a permanent damage or anything, um, which is very lucky. Very, very fucking lucky because that's not a good way to go. Um, but I did that and I, you know, I was screaming at her because she'd called ambulance and things like that. But then the next day, I walked because the police had been called, the ambulance had been called, everything like that. And I just turned off my phone, turned off everything and just disappeared. And I got so pissed off that it hadn't worked. I just went to bed pissed off. The next day I walked straight into the police station, just went, hi, I think you guys have been looking for me. And it was just, you could just see the look on their faces of like, the fuck? It was just such a weird thing for them because we have programs like CSI, NCIS and all those kind of things that just suggest that, you know, if you've bought some frozen food or you've made some tickets somewhere that that's it, you're not going to, you're not going to want to top yourself because why would you? you? You you've you've made the decision that you you have frozen foods. So you're 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 planning for the future. It's not, it's not how it fucking works. It's really not how it works. Um, but is there anything that you hope um, you can specifically change or achieve within um, the realms of of mental health, um, or, or or more specifically because you're involved in it in terms of suicidology or anything like that? Is there is there a goal for you of like? I really hope that I can have an, an impact and put this bill forward or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, especially as far as SPSM chat goes, like mm. I just want to make it so people are more willing to talk about their own suicidal thoughts mm. or just thinking about suicide. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's a problem in itself. Like just because someone thinks about suicide or mentions suicide, it doesn't mean that they're suicidal or that they have a plan or whatever. Like, a, I, 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 I really do believe that everyone, for the most part, thinks about suicide at least once a day. It may not be completely serious, it may just be like, oh, I wonder if I was dead. It, it could be as simple as that. It can be as just, or like we had talked before, like, just like, I want to kill myself. I'm going to die tonight mm. and everything else in between. But like, I really do feel like that because it's such a, 
it's such, it's such a part of the human experience as weird as that sounds like suicide has been around since the beginning of time it's it's it, within our history like going back to like ancient stories and it's part of the media like it's 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 um it's funny like thinking about like you know like shows like friends like they mentioned suicide like every single episode at least once mm. um it's just it's just part of our culture and so it's it's still troubling that like we can't talk about it as openly as we should be just because like people get afraid get freaked out like if i ask someone if like they thought about suicide like when's the last time they thought about suicide oftentimes people will like will freak out when they hear that question i want to make it so that when i ask someone like that and they say like oh i thought about suicide like two times yesterday or i, I thought about suicide this morning um and like i i try to ask that question to people on the show like like when's the last like time you thought about suicide and mm. oftentimes people will have will, will answer as a, a matter of faculty and i i like that I, I want that to be more of the norm where people feel comfortable enough to be able to <laughs> to to like mention like like when's the last time they were suicidal or thought about suicide or just crossed their mind and it not being like this big thing where like they worry about getting taken away by the police yeah i mean i think a lot of the times people mention it almost jokingly sometimes in because if if anyone out there is now thinking well i've never thought about suicide i've never i've never done this bullshit because at some point you've been at the train station or you've been in the subway and for a split second you've thought i could just jump here and that's the thing that people don't even think about that but that is that is a suicidal thought it's not it's not a, a real one so to speak it's not you being suicidal but it, for some reason there is an innate thing like when you're on the top of a cliff i could just jump here and it is normal you know it's it's a, it's a thing that comes it, that you get um last from at comedy shows when they talk about it. it's but it's not but yet like you say we we avoid the discussion we avoid the discussion because it's different it's out there and it's like no it's not because we all have that thought of some kind it's like um I, i've seen a few tweets on this occasion of like when people go is it is this normal is it and everyone's going yeah well yeah i i've thought about that today and I, i've been at the subway and, it, and it's it's very strange that we then separate it um it, it's it's incredibly strange that we we separate it as if it's something different and i think it's because it is a it has become a very them and us way of thinking and that's not I don't think from the neurodivergence, I don't think it's us that's done that. I think neurotypicals or, you know, the, the rest of you out there um, are the ones that have done it. It's, it's a very kind of, because people have in their heads a very specific thing when they think of mental health issues. They think of, you know, immediately there's one word that's going to come into everyone's head and it's crazy. That's what people think. When you say mental health issues are, oh, they're crazy. Oh, it's this. And, and it's like, okay. Some people in with mental health issues will call themselves crazy. You know, they'll openly say, you know what? Yeah, I'm crazy, but I'm dealing with it or, or, or something like that. But that isn't everybody. It, it also isn't the best way of describing people because that's why we have fucking um, diagnoses. Um, and I think that's a big problem because it's, it's a separation that's been made without a lot of people realizing that they also have issues. You know, you get a lot today when people go, oh, well, we didn't have this, this back in my day. Yeah, you did. You just didn't call it that. Like PTSD has always been PTSD. It's just that you called it shell shock. You know, it's there's always been a thing there. You get these bullshit um, posts on Facebook 
um, that go, you know, these young men went off to war and a picture from you know, like D-Day and then going, oh, and now it's nowadays with Gen Z dancing on TikTok. I'm going, yeah. And for them at that time, whatever their, their suffering and their issues are, are theirs. That is their world. That is what they dealt with. If those kids hadn't been going off to war, they would have had similar issues. It's just that they're affected by PTSD now because of that. And the kids on TikTok or whatever may be suffering from depression because of the bullshit that you keep spouting at them. Somebody's suffering from something, no matter what it is. It's just that you've separated it. I don't know if that's a thought that you kind of go with, but I think there's a, a big separation that's been made as if it's down the line. And I mean, I've done it as well. I've said neurotypical neurodivergent. I've, I've gone along with that bullshit. Yeah, it's it's to to follow that train of thought. Like, would we be better as a society if we were having a world war where people were fighting in trenches and yeah. getting all kinds of diseases and like just completely just like um, devolve into just killing one another indiscriminately? And like, I mm. I, I don't know. Like, it's because I I can kind of understand because it goes back to like. Like, I feel like everyone has to have some kind of adversity. Otherwise, like, you're just a privileged asshole and, like, can't, like, really live life to the fullest. As weird as that sound, because life is pain and, like, you need to suffer to be able to enjoy the finer things in life, to truly appreciate them. And so it's, but you also, like, you don't wish these things on people like you don't tell someone who has like terminal cancer like well look on the bright side at least like you can appreciate life because you know you're going to die soon mm. but yeah, everyone it's... needs some kind of adversity everyone no one can be truly happy without suffering and like and no one can ever be truly happy because they have to suffer yeah, it's that it's that, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, it's basically biblical as well, because people talk about the fact that you can't see good unless you have evil. I mean, it's that's, that's it's the same kind of thing. Um, you need you need those kind of shittier things. And I think that's where I mean, it's where we get a lot of problems as well, is that I think when we when we think in terms of problems, there's a new thing that's happened, I think, in the past 10, 15 years where we start talking about first world problems um, and then we completely separate as if that's not a thing and it's similar to that your 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 thing on on world wars there it's this idea of you're not allowed a problem unless you're starving um you know you're, you're in poverty and you don't have any clothes and you you are disease ridden that's the only time you're allowed to have a problem apparently because it, otherwise it's a first world problem you know the fact that this is now it's like yes it's a first world problem but guess what that's the only fucking world that that person knows you know it, you can't if 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 you only know that world, I'm really trying to remember the the um the philosopher now, and it's pissing me off because I can't. Um, I could I, I could probably guess. Give me give me some clues. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm thinking of the 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 cave um thing of that you only know. That's it. Um, you only know that world, and because you only know that world, that is all you can react to. So then going, oh no, but you have to have some kind of existential angst as well. You have to have something outside of that. No, no, no. If somebody has an issue in there, if there's pain within it, but then again, we try and push that to the side. So every time we have people with issues that we accept, oh, okay, well, you're over here and we're going to look after you. We're going to put you in a nice little box. We're going to, you know, we're going to put you in some cotton wool. You're going to be looked after. Oh, but you, oh, you have problems, but they're not, they're not big enough problems. So you just carry on because you're just being a drama queen. It's like, just why the fuck can't we all talk to each other? Why, why is there this, you know, just really pervasive 
bullshit that comes from people. And I think sometimes it actually comes from those that are suffering as well. And especially from those that are suffering and don't want to admit they're suffering. I've had this a lot where people go, but my parents wouldn't understand because they have this um, point of view. And they're going, I'm going to take a wild guess here that your parents have the same fucking problems. It's just that they've come with the same bullshit of their past as well. It tells them you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to be depressed. You're not allowed. I have someone in my stream all the time um, who talks about the fact, actually more than one, I have several people that do this, that say, I'm not, I can't cry basically because crying is weak or I can't cry because I'm male or I can't cry because I'm, I'm a mum and I don't want my kids to see or I can't, you know, and it's, it's your body telling you to do something. If you need the toilet, you don't go, well, I'm not going to do that because uh, that's, that's dirty. The same as if you need to cry, fucking cry. Your body is telling you it's a normal physical reaction. But for some reason, there's this there's this weird thing that's saying, no, you can't do that. And like you said, with everything else, it's it's as if we can't discuss it. We're not open to it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird, tricky situation because you you should, of course, validate people's feelings and to like honor what they're going through. I, I think the whole first problem situation meme whatever it's it's also like a reflection of how like privileged we are and how like bored we are as a society that we can like we complain about things like our wi-fi going out or like not being able to get the latest like ps5 or something like that and so like but it's also like we want to have some kind of adversity as weird as that sounds as like much as like people like they want these things they want to be happy they don't want to have adversity on the other end, they also do because people are always finding things to complain about. Like you'll scroll on Twitter, like half the things that are trending is like things that like people have decided that they're going to get upset about. And it could be as simple as like um, a casting in a new movie. And so uh, it's, 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 it's a different, it's kind of a different conversation. It's like, it's probably like a conversation we can have like in a whole different episode, but <laughs> yeah. it is, it's, it is weird how that works of how, like, um, like we're, we're living a society where like, we have to be really, like really minute about the things that like really, um, upset us. Um, when like we, we could like see like the, um, the lily consider the lilies in the field and all that stuff, but we can't because, we always have to be mad at something or be offended by something or hurt by something because it's such a part of the human experience, that whole adversity and suffering and like having to like overcome something or be against something and fighting against something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that thing of like, um, that seems to come across and it's, it's on both sides of the pond, this of you're not, you know, younger generations aren't allowed to have it easier because you didn't. And that, that seems to be something that's handed down, you know, because I'm, I'm made better because of my adversity. You know, I, uh, it's an old, um, oh, is it? I think it's the, um, it's um, Monty Python, or the, at least it's the people from Monty Python that do, a, that do a sketch about, you know, when I were a lad, oh, bloody hell, my camera's gone there. Uh, when <laughs> I were a lad, you know, we had, to, we had to walk 20 miles for our water every day. And we had to do, it's like, it's almost this. And, and they said, actually, when, when Eric Idle has been interviewed about, about it, it actually comes from the fact that he basically heard this conversation in real life of these old guys in a pub talking about the fact that, you know, well, these young lads have it so easy nowadays. When we were young, we had to do this. And oh, yeah, me, uh, my mum, she she uh, she gave us she gave us tuppenny and we had to be happy about it. And we didn't have tea. And, we you know, and it's, it's this constant idea that 
I, I've been through adversity, therefore you need to be through adversity. Otherwise you're not going to be a real man or you're not going to be a real human being or it's fucking nonsense. I mean, I, I, I've been homeless twice in my life. I've attempted suicide several times. My, my wife has, um, has passed away. At no point, if I have children, am I going to go, I want your life to be shit and you to have come through it being dragged by it. What I'm going to say is I want to, I want to do everything I can to make sure that um, the stuff that can be controlled to make your life better is that, you know, I don't want you to be necessarily overly privileged, but I don't want you to have to hit adversity just for the sake of the fact, because I hit adversity. It's like when people have an argument against um, wiping out student debt, they go, well, you shouldn't have it wiped out. I had to pay. Who the fuck cares? You're not part of the conversation anymore. Your adversity doesn't affect somebody else's. And I think that seems to be inbuilt in there that we, we not only do we want to talk about our own adversity, we want everybody else to have the same adversity. It always becomes that, you know, well, this has happened. And you'll always have somebody else in the conversation that goes, well, yeah, well, I've had to deal with this. Some people talk about how many hours they've worked a week. Oh, well, yeah, well, I've, I've worked five more hours and I stayed um, longer for work. And I did, who, what the fuck? <laughs> It's, it's a very strange way of being. I don't know why we want to push that adversity and, uh, and make others feel like they've got to go through something. It's almost like a, um, a tribal thing of like, you're not really an adult until you've, you've been through this. And it's very strange. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird because we, we, adversity is just part of the life experience. Suffering is part of the human experience. Mm. But we also like a good person wouldn't want like a, the future generations to suffer like they do, except some people do, yeah. but like, like, like it's, it's weird. Cause like, we, 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 are we working towards a society where there's no adversity? What would that look like? Mm. It's, it is, it is a weird juxtaposition that society seems to take of like, let's make, let's make life easier, but at the same time, fuck you because you haven't you haven't had enough adversity even though we're trying to take it away and it's like what what yeah and well and also like when we try to make life easier like things like the internet and smartphones and being able to easier easily travel that can create new problems mm. like being able to travel is an amazing thing but it also makes it easier to spread disease and like <laughs> as, the inter- as seen yes <laughs> the internet brings us together but it can also create cyberbullying and create like all kinds of awful things and like people yeah. like literally being able to like hire hitmen on the internet mm-hmm. um so it's it, it it really it really is it really is fascinating of like the whole human history of humanity of trying to make life easier and not be as hard but also creating new problems mm, i i guess yeah. it's like i i mean like i guess we can we can say uh, objectively that our lives are easier than like with like the caveman had it or like even people in like 1500s 1600s um there are certain things that we they had that like oh like oh that'd be cool to have like it'd, it'd be nice like to like be able to like just sit around with people and not have to worry about like like phones going off and all this other stuff and like and but like it's I, I don't know it it's it just like it's 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 a it's a real mind fuck because it just makes you wonder like like where are we going as a society of like we're always trying to make things easier but then also create new problems because uh, we also we, we we can't ever be satisfied no 
and and fighting for that satisfaction and fighting for the ease is then when we start on another thing because then we have a go at the next generation because they've got it easy so we we create a trauma by 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 making things easier which is is really fucked like we we make it easier but because we've made it easier we then um push the fact that it's easier and create that kind of trauma for people by making them feel less than themselves and making them feel less than than you are by the fact that you created something to make their life easier and it's like what the fuck it's like it's like giving somebody some food and then telling them off because they finished all all the plate and it's like what wait a minute what's what's going on it's such a weird thing that we seem to um go back and forth with um and I, i do think as you say the the fact that we should be able to talk about suicide or all mental health um, through things like SPSM, through um, hopefully chats like this, through um, you know streams on Twitch or whatever it is, I think is so important because, as you say, we don't we don't talk about it enough. It is kept as a as like an, almost like a dirty secret by humanity that we think about suicide or that we think about you know bad parts of our lives and it's it's almost like it's oh well you, you know you can't you can't mention that you can't men- mention that around your auntie linda because she'll get upset it's, great then she can fucking leave because i'm going to talk about it you know it's it's I, I think that's the problem it's where i have a lot of issue on twitch as i'm sure you're aware um because gatekeeping in terms of mental health is just it's my biggest bugbear. And I've had it recently where people will go and I, I quote, oh, well, you know, we do have someone from that, that's, a, that's a, a mental health person anyway. We do have a qualified counsellor or something along those lines. Um, I say a quote and then fuck up. The um, but, you know, we have someone from that. Um, so we're not just um, talking without any knowledge. That's like, cool. You have one person who's from a spe- very specific um biased and culturally um singular ideal and that's formed your whole view because you're neurotypical and now you're gatekeeping um, a discussion that i want to have about mental health i can't be angry about mental health because i love this one you um this is meant to be a mental health discussion not um a men- not an attack on mental health or an attack on the idea of mental health it's like that's not fucking realistic why can't I be angry at the fact that I have mental health issues? Why can't I be angry at the way that the world talks about mental health? Why can't I be angry at the way that we treat mental health? How the hell do you discuss mental health without having emotion? Because that's what it seems to be with a lot of gatekeepers is you, you can discuss it, but you're not allowed emotion. You can't have emotion because emotion is bad. That's not allowed. That's, you know, you can't be angry because every time you're angry, that of course, in, in, in people's minds, anger means aggressive. It fucking doesn't. You can be aggressive because you were horny one night and it got out of hand. You know, you can be aggressive from all kinds of um, backgrounds. It doesn't just mean I'm angry, therefore I'm going to go and, and beat the shit out of someone. That's not how it works. And gatekeeping. I don't know about, I don't know about you, your viewpoint, because as you say, you are, far, you, you do keep your, um, your way of thinking as much as you can on the back burner when you're doing things like SBSM. But how does the idea of gatekeeping, because obviously that's, that's kind of the issue for, for you as well when you're thinking about you know, your hope to make suicide chats more open, is that these gatekeepers are in the way, um, even within the community. So how do you have a way that you try and get around them or what is your general thought on it? Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't tell my guests like what they can or can't talk about like i i mean i only bring on people that i know are not gonna like say something like truly offensive like that like 
is an attack on like a marginalized group. Like that's that's mm. where I draw the line. But as far yeah. as like um, like like I, I I've had uh, people call me out on Twitter because I didn't correct someone because they said commit suicide instead of died by suicide, or they 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 said something that they perceived to be ableist. And I try to not get in the way of my guests of speaking their minds and speaking their truths unless it is like something that is like pretty much agreed upon is like just absolutely like um discriminatory against a marginalized group and so it's worked out so far <laughs> like like the, the the ship hasn't sank yet like we haven't been canceled so it's it's funny how that works when you don't like like put all these restrictions and people and like police their vocabulary that like they they might say things that like they in the way that you wouldn't have phrased it but the world didn't end and they were still able to get to the point of what their <laughs> of what the topic is about the show and like actually have a productive conversation and if i had shut them down because they didn't say the nicest uh, version of a word then like, that would <laughs> that wouldn't have worked out like that person would have shut down they wouldn't have come on again and we wouldn't have had uh, the conversation that we did. I mean, I try to lead by example. Um, like I, there are certain like ways that there are certain things that I, certain words that I will use and won't use and certain phraseology, but I don't push that upon my guests or panelists. I don't have like a whole list of words that they can't say or topics that they can't approach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, because I haven't sworn that much tonight. Um, there's probably people listening going, you really have, but I really haven't. Um, but I, I openly, when uh, in terms of swearing especially, I always have the idea that if you're in the depths of hell and you don't know where else to turn and you're just turning on a stream or you're just listening into SBSM or you're just you're calling up a radio station or whatever you're doing, um, that's your last, potentially your last thought before you do something. And then somebody's going to have a go at you because you said fuck. I'm like, I, piss right off. Like, you are not helpful to the conversation. You are not fucking helpful to the conversation at all. If someone's in the depths of hell and you are there go, um, and going, um, oh, well, you, you, you can't put this all on me or this. No. How... <sighs> Hashtags are my biggest issue, especially in, in um, Twitch, because if you're going to have the hashtag mental health, I personally think you should have resources. I think you shouldn't be able to put it if you don't have resources. I understand that there are different levels of interaction that people can have and that there's um, people that can talk about things and will talk. I will talk about pretty much everything if I feel I can um, and I will try and you know stay there as much as I can. However, as every... 10 15 minutes i will say okay i am up for challenge um which is my name on twitch and here are the resources exclamation mark resources in my chat there are resources there are resources in the uk click at the top there are resources worldwide i think that should be there because if somebody comes in the chat and you can't deal with it you are just not that person you've got you know you you are a gamer but you have dealt with mental health and you think it's important that people know that they're safe for instance that might be why you have the mental health tag not because you're discussing it but because it's safe and so if somebody comes in and wants to chat you might go oh shit what do i do or i can't deal with this i think that you should be able to go or one of your mods should be able to go exclamation mark resources and just can go i'm really sorry i can't deal with this i really hope these guys can just because otherwise we get into this thing where people are then rewarded at, on twitter you know they're told they're they're very good and the people are the people that come in and trauma dump are in the wrong they're the ones that are wrong and you're right for having a go at them and i'm just like great 
what happened to that person that you're now calling out for trauma dumping? What, what happened to them? Because we never know. We never know what, wh whether they attempted anything, whether they went to somebody else's chat. And you then actively going on something like Twitter and calling that person out, not by name, but calling them out and they'll know who they are because they came into your chat and having a go at them for even, that even more is infuriating when you have that kind of control in any way over someone. And like you say, you, you, you have a way of, um, of talking that you, you hope others will follow, but you don't have a list of things you can't say. I know, for instance, I say certain words that, especially in America, that is just kind of, oh, my God. And I always have this viewpoint of um, if you come into my chat and you can tell me I've gone wrong, like actively I've been wrong. Not that, you know, I obviously I said BPD, for instance, is a BP earlier. Those are things that I've, that is slip of the tongue and things like that. But I've, I've actively caused something for somebody. I'll be fucking surprised. Um, you may come and you might not like the way I talk about things. You may not like the fact that I say um, that I, I, I will call out to universities and organizations that are completely shite at their job of dealing with men and mental health. Um, you may not like that, but I, nobody else is calling them out because they're so protected because of who they are, like universities. So I will, because uh, there's a line from Eminem um, that I really like, and I think it should be in, in, in everything to do with mental health when it comes between people that are actually advocates of mental, uh, for better mental health and neurotypicals that are saying things like you, you didn't, you um, didn't tell them off for saying complete, um, complete, sorry, you said, they said commit suicide rather than complete. And that's wrong or any bullshit like that. And, and it's the line of how about we both shout, I don't give a fuck and see which one of us means it. Because to me, that's what it should be. When you talk about mental health, you should be on the opinion of, I don't fucking care. I am going to help somebody no matter what bullshit you're putting in my way. I'm going to help somebody if I can. I'm going to put them in the right direction of a resource. I'm going to talk to them because they need talk. You, they need to be talked to. They need to um, be listened to. I'm going to do that whether you tell me that my swearing is wrong or that the way I approach things are wrong or not. Because you know what? For some reason, people are watching it. People are coming in. I have letters around me literally sent to me that say, thank you, I've needed to, I needed to come in here. I waited in your chat until you were live. I have that, but apparently, oh no, you use the wrong words. That's great. So what happened when they came into yours? Oh, because I've literally had a mod after, actually after an SBSM chat about trigger warnings, I had somebody who was a mod for someone who had the opposite opinion of me um, for a mental health chatter, who literally, a mental health chatter, who, they quit as a mod and now they follow me. They're not a mod for me, but they follow me and, and quit as a mod for the other person and went away from it because they realized actually how much that was pushing people away. And that's that, that does get really infuriating when you put those gatekeeping things up it is awful and i i know that you've um you know you've wanted to open up more that's why you have the spsm and everything like that but um have you found times when you've because you're not you're not like me in at least not openly like me in terms of just wanting to scream at people <laughs> but has there been times when you've been on twitter or twitch or anything like that and you've just really wanted to just just go at them for the bullshit they're spouting in terms of gatekeeping. Yeah. And it usually involves conversations around like pro force treatment and trying to justify that or trying to talk about be like being cured or like wanting to cure people of bipolar or whatever. And it's, or like saying bad things about people who are like proud of bipolar or, or, or wouldn't change their diagnosis or whatever. And 
that's the kind of stuff that like can really um rustle my jimmies i guess <laughs> but like uh, i mean it's I, I used to get upset a lot more when i was younger and now i kind of just like well i i don't i don't like scroll as much as i used to like i used to spend my whole day every day like just like constantly like going through facebook and like going through twitter going through instagram even going through snapchat and just looking for things to upset me and now like i i kind of just like i'm try to divorce myself from that as much as I can. Um, but yeah, it's cause, cause it, cause it gets, it makes me upset. Like it makes me upset. Like when, like, I, I feel like like there are times where like, I can step aside, like, like let, let, let the younger people like, like get in, like get into the fights and start the arguments and the flame wars and all that. But then when I, when I see people talking about like, like we need to have more programs that are, that are like, that are forced treatment they won't use those words but then it's like ah like i have to like um it's it's like um you see like like movies where like the the, the, the retired cop or whatever has to like roll their sleeves back up and like, like put on the, the suit again or whatever and and so like i feel like that sometimes because i feel like it's that's just like should not be happening where people are still trying to advocate for forced treatment. I mean, like we had, we have the American um, Psychiatric Association in the um, United States, and they recently gave a big award to this uh, organization called the Treatment Advocacy Center, which is like just all in on forced treatment. And like, even we'll have like spokespeople, like people that, that like have been forcibly hospitalized and like used for propaganda to like justify legislation for forced treatment programs. And it's disgusting. Like when I see like, like major organizations like that, like the APA, like and I've never been a fan of, of the American Psychiatric Association, but like when and things like that and people applauding them, it's just like, like it makes me like want to hook up again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, apparently the BPS is a lot better. I, I have my in issues with BPS, British Psychological Society. I've been told by by certain doctors um, in America of like the APA is a fucking nightmare. The BPS is way better. I don't know. I have my issues, but then I haven't been able to see the shit show that is the APA. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the way you talk about that is it is a bit like sometimes you're, you're like Thanos at the end of the Avengers movie where it's like, fine, I'll do it myself um, because you, you have to now get into the conversation. Um, I mean, something that came into the news a few days ago was something that I, I think it was even yesterday, I didn't think existed in England. And it's now being changed. And it was a news, it was a news article, it was a news article because we just had the Queen's speech. So anyone in America, this is a fucking weird thing we do every year, which doesn't actually mean anything. It's completely ceremonial. But the Queen is the one that delivers what the government planned to do that year. It's like the State of the Union even though the queen has basically fuck all power. So she says, my government will look to do this. It's basically, she's been given a piece of paper by the, the party in charge that she then has to read out. It's fucking weird. But one of the things in there was um, that we would ban conversion therapy. And I was there going, that fucking exists in England? The fuck? Conversion therapy. You know, I mean, I, I think conversion therapy, and I think of nutcases like Mike Pence. Like, why the hell is conversion therapy in the in europe in the 21st century what how the hell the hell is that thing i you know it's it's so weird and you said about obviously forced um treatment as well i, I didn't realize until um i was actually watching a youtuber called uh, evan edinger um or evan edinger who is an american that lives in the uk he's lived over here for about seven years 
and he was shocked by something um because it, it was um it was like a community thing where he was talking to people about you know differences in america and the uk and what's the what's the weirdest legal thing that's legal in your country or your state and he was shocked because in 14 states in america there is such a thing as legal kidnapping if you have um children who are bad kids um they they can be legally and the, the parents are the ones that have asked for this they can just turn up in the middle of the night and just kidnap you and take you to like some military camp or something i mean the, the trauma of of for, i mean what in the name of christ uh, you know this i mean it just it seems to take that idea of forced um hospitalization and just take it to an extreme that i thought would only be in films Oh yeah, we're awful. I do you know that we're having states like in the year 2021 passing anti-protest bills where like you can't be legally held liable if you run someone over in the middle of a protest? Okay, I mean we we have issue with protests but nothing like that. I mean we're, there's 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 laws that we're having um changed in um basically you can't protest unless it's allowed, which does seem somewhat counterintuitive um, that's being brought in because the whole point of protest is it's not kind of meant to be, yeah. But yeah, that that is weird. The idea that, you know, you can run someone down. I mean, that's, Char that's Charlottesville. I mean, what the fuck? That, that is literally, that is, that is directly for you guys. That is directly going, this is all the shit that they did, all the, the you know, the tiki, tiki torch people. Yeah, no, they're fine now. That's... <sighs> You know all the all the trauma from 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 a lot of these things that we seem to be bringing in all over the place. I mean, it's not just America. I mean, I think America's a bit more fucked. I will admit, but I, it's everywhere, um, and it, it amazes me that these things still exist. You know, for like you say, forced um, hospitalization and forced treatments. You know, the idea that kidnapping is still you know is legal in 14 states the fact that conversion therapy is legal in the uk and actually one that um people never talk about in the uk but is still legal um and i, I think it's illegal it's, i think it's still legal in america is um electric shock therapy um oh and absolutely I, and I, I mean i mean we have we have states in america where it's like like anal sex is still outlawed so <laughs> yeah it's, it's i mean i just think of one flew over the cuckoo's nest i'm like i mean my, my so my father worked as a psychiatric assistant nurse um back in like the 70s and he taught he, he talked when i was younger about the fact that because I, I i still know people to this day that will go yes but it's 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 very good if you, you can isolate the right place i'm like i literally know my dad was in, employed to hold people down whilst they were getting electric through shock therapy and as he said they are not the same person and it i think there's there's a bit of that as we said with um, bp at the beginning in that um you know the choice of being able to press that button is taken away and that identity of a person is just erased because they need it to conform so yep let's get some let's get some electricity running through your body and we can isolate it now and we can do this it's like that's just a 21 that's just a 20th and 21st century version of a fucking lobotomy it's 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 crazy. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy. We should we should be throwing that word back at um, neurotypicals sometimes. Some of the people that just want to force people to take certain treatments, they are the ones that are crazy, not the neurodivergents. Um, because you know, if we're going to talk about it in those terms, it is it is just ridiculous that they have such a thing. But like you say, I mean, I know um, for you, uh, you and and your wife, you um, talk far more on the um the forced hospitalization 
because you've had you've 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 had it so much against you and obviously i've only had that one experience um and i know that that's that's kind of the the thing you you talk you talk on i've i've heard you be the most um vocal about when you've when you've spoken about things um and it is it is worrying that that's still a thing do you see do you envisage a time in the u.s that it will not be there no because people like i it's 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 weird like i I do, I do think it'll be more humane and like I what I what I tell people is you can you can put artwork on the walls you can have like game time you can let people like have like their iPads and stuff in the rooms and have like story time and like make things look nice and have nice food and everything but if it's still confined if it's still against the person's will it's still forced treatment and it needs to be abolished Hmm. it's it's imprisonment just because someone needs help isn't it yeah be, yeah and that's and that's that's the thing is that that's that that's the thing that gets me really upset too is that like people aren't trying to work towards abolishment they're working towards making it look nicer making it more appealing making it so like people will want to go um and the thing is is that like you still you still can't control like the people you're around when you're in there and so that can create its, its own problems like you can like get nice meals and all that stuff and at the end of the day like you're still confined with other people who like are going through their own shit and like so and if you don't want to be there you don't want to be there like it's like um there are plenty of times where like i have had opportunities to go to nice places but i didn't want to and if someone like was trying to make me go there i'd like fight it tooth and nail and like it wouldn't make it any better like yeah yeah it's 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 such a it's such a weird thing that that is people's thought is to not abolish but to make comfy because in their minds that's fine you know because it's it's the same people that that have a go at um northern european countries for having nice prisons it's them so it's those same people because they kind of go well if we can make your you know your um detainment look um nice then you'll be okay because it's like those prisons and you get people going oh well i i wish i i could have a have a, a room like that i'd be happy if i was in a prison cell like that and you're like no you fucking wouldn't because you wouldn't be able to go anywhere it's still like it can look as fluffy and as nice as you want it to but at the end of the day you don't have control anymore and i think yeah, it's all nice until you ask the people nicely like hey can i go now yeah yeah it's they, I mean, it's it's they they constantly take the piss out. I've I've seen people take the piss out of this, but it is a line, I think, in triple X that is it's very true. And I think it, it happens for people that have been in prison and and for those that have been held under various mental health acts by Vin Diesel. and and it's between Vin Diesel and, and Samuel Jackson, it's it's along the lines of, you know, he doesn't care about dying, but it's being imprisoned, like when a tiger is in in a zoo, there's something, there's a there's a light in the eye that goes out. And, you know, that's that's the thing that you don't want to return to. You don't want to return to that. You know, the, the, the death isn't the worst thing. It's being held. That's the worst thing. You know, if somebody I mean, you can you know how uncomfortable it can be just from somebody hugging you for too long. You, you think, oh, my God, just, you know, OK, we're done now. And that's just being held for half a second longer than your own will wanted. But now now you're in a room and we're not letting you out because you, you're 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 a danger to yourself 
And we tell you when you're not a danger to yourself anymore, not you. You don't get to make those decisions. We're taking away your ability to have control over your own thoughts. And it's, it is awful. Um, I think we have gone over a, a lot of stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we also, and I know there's a lot of stuff we haven't um, covered, but um, I think we've kind of come to a, a natural conclusion. Is there anything that you wanted to um, add or, or say to anybody um, out there that might be struggling or want, needed to chat or anything like that at all? Um, suck it up. Stop being a little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but but honestly, like I'm 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 not good at giving advice, and so I'm not going to give advice. And I've 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 pretty much accepted the fact that like I'm I'm not the kind of person to give raw raw speeches or to fill people up with warm and fuzzies or even be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm accused of that too often either. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I will say this: like it's. It can be very scary to talk about your struggles, to talk about suicidal thoughts, to talk to talk about anything publicly, like in front of a camera, in front of people you don't know, or or even in front of loved ones who you like fear might not accept you afterwards. But do it anyway, because yeah. even if they all like leave you and all that stuff, like at least like you're living your life, like you're being honest with yourself. Like living a lie is just can be very imprisoning in of itself. So just rip the bandaid off, just talk about your struggles, talk about the hard stuff and it'll pay off in the end. It may not, it may not always be fun. It may not always like, it's you mean like you, like everyone's going to like you. You might end up being that guy, like where it's like, oh God, he's talking about bipolar again or depression again, but just keep doing it. If that's what you want, if, that, if that's what like really helps you get through things, get through the dark days or even just any day, just do it. Do it even if no one else cares. Because up yeah. for the challenge cares. I don't care. But up for the challenge cares. <laughs> oh, See, I'm, well, I'm bad mean, with endings. I know it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I just, I just, uh, it's always good to see if there's anything that they, that somebody thinks I've, I've missed as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, the biggest thing is, is living that lie. It's, I think it's living your li the lie to yourself as well. I think that's one of the worst things you can do is, um, as well as, you know, talking to friends and family and everything like that is don't lie to yourself about it. Like if there's, if there's an issue, there's a fucking issue. Stop telling yourself that you don't have the issue because it's not right and you can't because your parents didn't have it or any of that bullshit. Fucking look in the mirror and just go, you know what? I'm fucked up. Like, and I, I, I hate the fact that we're not allowed to say that because at the end of the day, I am fucked up, okay? I know I am. Rudy is. As everybody on the fucking <laughs> everybody on um, Twitch talks about this. We all have an issue. We're all fucked up in some way. It's even neurotypicals. You're fucked up in some way, usually because you're fucking us over. Just yeah, there's there's no healthy Twitch streamers. Okay, yeah, have you seen yeah, these people? That's very true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, so just remember that. Don't lie to yourself and don't lie to everybody else. Because like um, Rudy says, at the end of the day the worst that can happen is all of your fears are right but at the end of the day you know who you are and i think that can be so important of knowing who you are because without ripping the banner without thinking actually no this is me i need to do this you will never be you and there will always be something niggling at the back of your head always there'll be that worm at the back of your head just going no you, this isn't you this isn't you there's something wrong and 
slow pain or fast pain it, it's it's the band-aid thing you know um thank you very much for joining me rudy um we will have the details for spsm below um so please do go and check it out as well as um you'll have the details for my website below and the resources page if you do need to talk to somebody as we both just said please do there are resources for the uk on the main page at the top for the rest of the world if you click on it there is always someone you can talk to you may not think there is but there is someone you can always talk to talk to so please do um but thank you everyone and we will see you next time